everybody, and welcome to the Access Ninja Podcast. I'm Jonathan. I'm Rachel. So, uh, how you how you doing today, Rachel? I'm a bit tired, but keep on going healthy. Well, that's good. That's to all hear. that matters. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I'm alive. I'm alive. How about well, you? I am. I'm quite alive as well, enjoying the summer and uh, working on some some big personal projects and so but she's just having a pretty good time yeah i know we're gonna hear some magic <laughs> that's right that's right i'll give you an update on the magic as it gets a little farther along but i am building something rather large that's, uh, <laughs> that's actually after we're done with the podcast i'm going to be visiting with a, a friend and we're going to be doing a little bit of construction in our garage here so um, it's going to be a pretty fun day yeah keep us posted so last time we talked about some of the new updates, the iOS 13, uh, coming for the iPad and the uh, and the iPhone. But today we're going to talk about the Mac OS. So also we just to recap a little bit, WWDC was a couple weeks ago, and Apple announces what is coming, what's going to be coming out come this fall. On all their operating systems, we talked about the iPhone and the iPad, uh, but there's quite a few updates coming to macOS, which this new version is going to be codenamed Catalina. Ta-da! What is that? Is that an animal? Uh, it's an island, I believe. Oh, so we're moving from parks to islands. Yeah, so, yeah, all the... the um, yeah, the Catalina, I think they're... And now I'm now I'm a little worried. I don't remember, but I think it's the like the Santa Catalina Island uh, is what it's named after. I don't know much about that area, but uh, they're sticking with the you know locations and places and things in California. Nice. So we're going to talk about Catalina. We're going to start out by talking about just what's general, what's some of the new things, and then uh, after we get kind of an overview of what's new. We're going to focus more heavily on the accessibility features, and there's some big ones uh, coming to Catalina. And after that, we'll we'll talk briefly about some of the updates coming to the Apple Watch, and we'll and we'll touch quickly on the HomePod and the Apple TV as well. So I think it's a uh, basically we talked about iOS last time, which was the big big update, and now we're going to cover everything else in the Apple sphere. Yeah, and I know that you already loaded your beta for iOS, so we'll be coming up with some awesome reviews of the beta version already sometime yeah. soon. Yeah, I've loaded the beta version of iOS on, uh, on on some of my devices, and I have Catalina also loaded on uh, my laptop, not the machine I'm recording on right now because these betas are not, you know, they're, they're early, they're Stable. buggy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Stable is a good word. <laughs> so, um, I don't know. Why don't we just jump right into Catalina? What do you think? All right. I want to meet Catalina. All right. So, Catalina uh, for the Mac OS. For the, it's going to update on uh, on the, their laptops, their computers, their Mac meetings, all that. It's also their version 10.15. It's been 15 versions since Mac OS came out and was at 1999, 2000 or so. So um, pretty exciting. 
And uh, this uh, this new version of the operating system does uh, a couple of things. But one of the things that's very notable is that uh, they've finally gotten around to uh, tackling the issue of iTunes. So iTunes on the Mac, it's been around for a very long time. Oh, okay. yes. <laughs> it was before the iPod. Since the dinosaurs. <laughs> and uh, since iTunes came out, it was a, when it originally started up, it was a cool program where you could put a CD in your computer, you could rip tracks off of it, uh, mix them up, listen to, me or, to them on your computer, and burn your own mix CDs. And, of course, then the iPod came out, and it became a program where you could synchronize your music to your iPod. And then the iPod started getting more functionality, and it started getting things like you could play games. So iTunes needed to be a place where you could buy games for your iPod. And then they eventually put a, a video screen on it. So, oh, well, now it's got to be able to do TV shows and movies. It could also have to synchronize your photos. And then, of course, podcasts. So I had to do podcasts. So all of a sudden, iTunes started to grow and grow and grow into a program that didn't just do music. It did podcasts. It did TV shows. It did movies. It did music. It did so much. And because it did so much, the program got more and more complicated and harder and harder to navigate. So in Catalina, they've decided to take iTunes and break it up into individual programs. So now there's a dedicated app just called Music, <laughs> which is where you can get access to Apple Music, but also still rip your C- rip your CDs if you if you still have them and mix up <laughs> and create your own playlists. You can load in a music from other locations. You can even buy MP3s from Amazon and put them in there. It's a music application through and through. Podcasts is its own app, which is a lot like on the iPhone. And the iPad, you've got a dedicated podcast app. And then they have taken the TV uh, shows and the movies and broke those up into an app they're simply calling Apple TV, like their set-top box. So they're breaking these three programs up. And uh, I'm pretty happy about it, actually, because it really lets people focus on the tasks that they're performing. You're usually not switching between your music and your TV shows and your podcasts all at once. It's nice to have dedicated programs for those. And for people who don't use some of those features, uh, they can well, they can basically ignore those apps. So all three of these apps are also using uh, Apple's new code base. So they share a lot of code with the podcast, TV, and, um, and music app on the iPhone and iPad. So we have a lot of similarities and feature sets between the three as well. So it's... Uh, it's a, I think it's a, I'm pretty excited about it. I do like the way the programs work, although they're still pretty buggy in the beta. So I suspect they're going to be, they're working very hard to hammer them out and get them all polished up and ready. Yeah. And I was wondering, you know, because in the uh, iPhone, it kind of started going that way. You know, like now I never open iTunes on my phone unless if I want to buy or rent a movie or something. And, uh, and, you know, with Apple Music, especially, like, you know, you don't even need to go anywhere else other than your music. So I think it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I think so, too. And I, I, I do think navigation-wise it's going to be easier because now the sidebar doesn't load it up with, like, uh, in iTunes before you had a sidebar and the sidebar had things like music and TV shows and movies and then it changed what was being viewed uh, in the main section of the app and now the sidebar because it's music you don't have to switch between music it's got you know your playlists are there your albums are there it's 
uh, a lot more easy to navigate and get around. So, of course, it's always a new challenge learning a new program, but you'll find these programs are all very, like music and TV and movies all follow the exact same design, uh, the exact same navigation methods. So if you learn one, you kind of know all three, uh, but you don't have to do as much navigating in the app to get to what you want. And I think it's kind of exciting, too, because for accessibility, you know, having a dedicated uh, app, per se, makes things a lot easier and more manageable. Yeah, I kind of I kind of do love uh, those uh, small functional apps, you know, ones that uh, I, I don't like when things get too complicated. Yeah, well, and that's the sign of a good design user experience, and that's what Apple is known for. So that's that's something that's bringing a lot of press, a lot of attention. People are saying iTunes has gone away, but it's it's not that iTunes has gone away. It's that it's now three programs instead of one. And you could do everything that it could do before, but just broke it out into uh, things that make sense. It's not iTunes is going away. It got a split personality. That's right. Now, I mentioned earlier that uh, that the code that Apple uses to create music, TV, and podcasts shares a lot of its code with uh, the work they did on iPhone and the iPad. And that's from another thing that Catalina supports, which is something they're calling Project Catalyst. Now, what Catalyst does is allows people who are developing for the iPhone, well, specifically for the iPad, people who have iPad apps, to take those apps and move them over to the Mac without having to rewrite a ton of code. There's still more work to do because on the Mac, we have a menu bar. Uh, that you need to be able to uh, take into account you're using a mouse, which has a left click and a right click and uh, different behaviors. So you need to be able to code for that type of thing. But they don't have to rewrite everything from scratch which with inside the user interface, which is what they had to do uh, before. So we might also see uh, some new apps show up for the Mac that were not that were previously only available in iOS through the iPad. And hopefully, this was going to help accessibility, you know, because I remember when I first bought, what was it, Twitterific? And, you know, Twitterific, in, uh, which is a Twitter app, um, you know, was perfect for the iPhone, but, um, you know, there was this rumor that it was accessible for the Mac, but when you opened the Mac one, it wasn't for the longest time. So, um you know, and, and usually when you get used to one app, you would like to have it in your Mac too, you know, instead of having to download a whole different one. The nice thing too about this sharing of code in regards to voiceover and other accessibility is that Catalina, I mean not Catalina, well Catalyst in Catalina uh, shares the same accessibility framework. So any accessibility work that was done in one or any, th any accessibility features that were available in one will transfer over to the Mac as well. Yeah, uh, and uh, so you you get a lot of the accessibility features as well, because there's been some people who've made a successful iPad app and they want to bring it to the Mac, and they're not familiar with the user interface design on the Mac, so they'll use you know a different tool, basically a tool that will generate a a Mac app, and you lose a lot of accessibility. But since this is native Apple code, uh, we get all the accessibility work that Apple's put into making those programs work. So going to hopefully see an improvement accessibility there as well and to give a very specific example uh, twitter uh, used to have a dedicated mac app and it wasn't perfect but uh, uh, and uh, they dropped it uh, i think a couple years ago 
And since this catalyst came out, they're they're bringing it back again, but they're using catalyst to uh, to make it happen. So we will definitely some see some new apps. Obviously, accessibility is still a concern, but since it's native code, we should have less issues uh, than people trying to build them from scratch. I agree, and there will be no need for you know as much knowledge as before between the iOS and the Mac development. Absolutely. So another thing that's been updated, uh, they've put a lot of work into updating uh, some of their native apps, like the uh, like the Notes app, for example, one that we use quite often. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. I'm scared about that one. <laughs> so the general user interface of Notes, for example, is very much the same. Uh, you know, lists, you know, the, the the folder lists, and then the lists of notes inside, then the notes themselves. Uh, they've added a couple of new features. Uh, you can share a whole folder with someone rather than just sharing a single note. Oh, that would be awesome, especially for the podcast. That way, we don't have to have everything in one file. That's right. We've been we've been using notes to basically share, well, the notes we're doing right now, and so, uh, but we've been shoving everything into one file. So now we can create one folder and synchronize and share that. Which will synchronize oh, between that would be so awesome. Bye-bye, Dropbox. They've also added the uh, ability to share a file or folder as a read-only. So if, you wanna, if you've got a, a note you want to share with someone, but you don't want them to be able to modify it, you can share it with them as a read-only share. So they can just see what's going on without manipulating it. Bye-bye, Dropbox. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> And uh, and another just small but use interesting thing is in Notes you could create a checklist. Uh, that's always been true, but now you have the option to when an item is checked, it goes to the bottom of the checklist. So the top part of the checklist oh is unchecked. Oh my gosh, I did not see that update. That you just <laughs> made my day right now. Like I have to take a moment. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, because I use checklists for everything, like groceries and trips and. All kinds of stuff. I have my in-laws in town, and I I had all this huge stuff to do, and I uh, shared it with my husband. But it was very, like you know, difficult because I I wasn't doing things in order. So, um, yeah, this would be awesome. Yeah, so some nice little uh, little additions to notes. Now they've also um, updated the reminders app. And uh, this this update very much matches the update that's also going to appear on, in iOS. So basically, they've added um, so reminder still functions very much the same way, uh, except for now you've got these special views like a today view that has anything you've assigned that are supposed to be done today. You've got a scheduled view which shows you all your your to dos that have some sort of scheduling event. You've got an all list, which is just all of your reminders together. Then you've got your custom lists. Um, basically, this new layout makes it easier to kind of get around. Um, and so, um, yeah, I've only been playing with it a little bit. I find it actually a little bit clearer, and I, I found it especially clearer on um, on the on the iPhone on the iPad because I felt that some of the voiceover navigation was a little clunky in that app, and I, I think they've they've made it a little easier to get around. Well, you got me into Fantastical, so now I'm hooked. (laughs) 
So, uh, so the notes and reminders apps, which I, I do get a quite a bit, bit of use uh, out of it myself. Uh, another new feature coming to the Mac is that's from iOS is Screen Time. Uh, this is a feature that tells you uh, what you've been doing in the app, basically. It, it lets you know how much time you're spending on different programs, how much time you've been using the computer. It allows you to set time restrictions, uh, either for yourself or for a child. Uh, just helps you get an overview of what you're doing on your computer and what you're spending your time doing. Now, you could set just to report what you're doing and without uh, setting times, or that's not possible. Oh, so, yeah, that's that's right. You can set it up just to give you, like, a weekly report of your screen time, uh, uh -huh. which is the, the most basic version of it. Uh, and then you can just go into, there's an app. It, well, no, there's a section of system preferences called screen time, and you can just see what you're doing. Uh, optionally, you can get a report at the end of the week. Uh, and then it keeps track of you know what apps you use and for how long, uh, what apps are sending you notifications. So you can actually go in and be like, oh, I'm getting like 30 notifications a week from this application. Maybe I should turn off notifications. That's very distracting. Um, then uh, you can set things like, a, like a, basically time limits on things uh, that lets you only use certain apps for certain periods of time if you're finding that maybe you feel like you're getting a little bit addicted to Twitter. I see it annoys me so much. I tried to do that on my iPhone and then it kept kicking me out of Instagram and then I was like, okay, bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't know you could have just a report, but yeah, because that came on the last iOS and I turned it off. I did not want to have any awareness. <laughs> You can even set up something called downtime. So downtime is sort of like a time restriction, right? You can only work on, uh, except for you said certain time of day, like, hey, at 9 p.m., I'm not allowed to use the computer. Or you could even say at 9 o'clock, I'm only allowed to use these specific apps. So you kind of like lock yourself down at the end of the day. So it, it's for, you know, it's for children and then also adults who are just trying to uh, keep track of what they're doing and be mindful of the work that they're that they're doing and not oh that's what ios had right this downtime not screen time well it is called screen time screen time a downtime is a feature inside of screen time okay all right yeah well it turned my downtime on and i did not like to be told what to do yeah <laughs> i have a time restriction i set on one of the games i have on iphone and actually i i, I ignore it i don't set it as like a time that i i can't use it anymore i just use it as a little reminder to be like hey you've been you've been spending a while in this app maybe you should uh finish up soon i'll just say <laughs> okay I, I could do that but it was kicking me out and i was like okay stupid you don't tell me what to do uh, as always apple's working hard on security so there's some new security features i thought were interested um, they've now taken the um, the system volume so the, the the part of the computer that's you know mainly the operating system and uh, they've turned it into a, a read only a dedicated read only volume and so what that means is that a program or a virus or a spy or whatever can't get in and modify the operating system itself it's a read only uh, to the rest of the computer so it's where a virus might try to sneak in and hide inside your system or modify your system files, it's simply not possible with this update. That is awesome. 
Uh, there's also some more data protections in general. So apps now have to ask you before they access data on your computer, like files in your documents and desktop folders, uh, content in your iCloud drive, uh, removable media like a USB drive or a hard drive. Basically, a program wants to go in and get access to those files. The first time it does so, it has to ask for your permission. And at that point, you can say, yes, that's that's expected. That's what I want you to do. Or otherwise, you could be like, why are you trying to get there? I don't know why. You can block that. Uh, which is just an expansion of some existing security features that already are in macOS. Oh, I think that's really cool because some people, you know, like usually, uh, you know, people that are not used to Macs, they tell me, oh, what antivirus you use? I'm like, none. Yeah, I don't use any myself either. I just, there's a lot of protections built in. It's just not as vulnerable, which is nice. Uh, and, and in that same vein, uh, apps also that perform things like key logging, which is paying attention to what you press on the keyboard, like Keyboard Maestro does that, for example, so that you can do a text expansion. I can type a short string of text and then it will pop into something bigger. Well, an application that does something like that is watching. It's logging what keys you press on the keyboard so it knows when they perform uh, the expansion, when, when they kick in. And apps that do that type of behavior have to ask for permission first because you'd expect that from an app like keyboard maestro but if some other program starts asking for that you're like well you don't need to know what i'm typing you can block that type of thing yeah i love that another thing that's just kind of fun is if you have an apple watch uh, there's some things on the computer that the computer asks for your administrative password so some settings that you might want to adjust in the system preferences or when um what's another example of that um uh, notes has a feature where you can lock a note and asks for your well, asks for a password or when you install a, a new app sometimes it asks for your uh, password your system password or app ID yeah, password like one password <laughs> <laughs> and so some those applications can now uh, implement the Apple Watch so if you're wearing an Apple Watch and of course you've already put your you've already unlocked your Apple Watch with you know with its uh, with its pin. Uh, when one of those uh, programs wants to uh, be um, authenticated, uh, you can double tap the side button on your Apple Watch and it will authenticate for you. You don't, you don't have to type the password in again. Ooh, okay. I love that. That is really cool. So if you've ever used Apple Pay on your computer using your Apple Watch, it's the same thing except for they've just added it to system preferences, to notes, to a bunch of other places. Yeah, you just need to make sure that nobody has your Apple Watch. Yes, yeah, so don't share your passcode on your Apple Watch with... Treat it like your like your normal passwords. Yes. Um, yeah, to me, I'm having problems with the Apple Watch because, you know, it talks my password out loud. So, I mean, unless if I'm hooked up to a... Bluetooth headphones, I can use my password. Otherwise, I have it unlocked. Yeah, it's tricky, right? Because you got to put in the, the 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 password when you put the Apple Watch on, so voiceover is on. But you need to make sure you're pressing the right numbers, <laughs> and so it adds up the numbers. So you're right; it's kind of announcing. So you know, make sure you're. Yeah, I do wish that they spot. had. I wish that they had a finger thingy, you know, on on the Apple Watch. Now, touch ID in the Apple Watch would be pretty cool. 
there. So they've also updated the Photos app. Uh, some new organization methods displaying your photos by day, month, or year. Uh, but uh, more interestingly, they really enhanced the machine learning where it identifies what's inside your photos and other important dates that it knows about. So that, uh, for example, if it's... I'll only give a good example. I opened up the Photos app on my uh, my wedding anniversary and uh, and it uh, it immediately started showing me, you know, pointing out photos from my anniversary because it knew those photos because of the date that they were taken and, and identified that they were wedding photos based off of the, you know, the fact that they were in a church and the fact that there was, uh, you know, my wife was in a white dress and things like that. And uh, uh, it's supposed to do a better job of kind of creating custom albums uh, based off of what it sees in your photos. So I noticed that it's uh, the uh, the beta Catalina is really, really excited about the photos of my dogs and has created lots of albums for me. <laughs> They're based on dogs. Conar is getting famous. <laughs> that's right. And uh, and so that'll be kind of, that's fun. It's just kind of it, it looking through the photos, identifying what's in them and, and, and suggesting albums automatically. And uh, the nice thing about that is that that image recognition and, and, and all that machine learning happens on your computer. It's not something that's being uh, mined by Apple. It, it, it doesn't actually even go to Apple. It's only on your device. Unlike, uh, and I, I won't name any right now, but under, unlike other photo <laughs> <laughs> sites and organizations, uh, yes. Amazon and Google. Anyway, <laughs> hey, I thought you weren't going to mention. Oh, I couldn't help myself. <laughs> so uh, yeah, and so there's uh, other some you know just to kind of uh, uh, finish up with the some of the general updates before we get into the accessibility here. Um, you know, they've got some updates to the Apple Mail program. Uh, added once again some features that were on iOS, uh, such as the ability to easily block. Uh, senders. That's different than marking someone as junk, which you can already do. This is just a flat-out block. It's like whenever this person emails me, I just want it to go straight to trash. I never want to see it. And uh, so a full-out block of a sender. And then also, uh, if you have a email from a group that has an unsubscribe link, usually those are you know hidden or buried somewhere at the bottom. If there's an unsubscribe link, it actually puts uh, that link at the top of the email near the header. So you can quickly unsubscribe without having to find the unsubscribe link somewhere in the bottom of the email in tiny, tiny print designed to be impossible to read. <laughs> I do a screen search. So that's the perks of using VoiceOver. <sighs> yeah, I've, I have <laughs> I've taken advantage of that sometimes. So the, the voice of her search is pretty great. <laughs> uh, they're also adding a feature called Sidecar. So Sidecar allows you, if you have an iPad, uh, to uh, use your iPad as a secondary display for your computer. So you can basically get like an extra screen uh, by, uh, by basically you can do it wirelessly or you can plug a, a USB cable from your computer to your iPad. That is also nice for people who are taking advantage of the Apple Pencil because there's some apps on the Mac that are described, that designed to take advantage of that, like Adobe Illustrator and Corel Draw and Motion, where you can uh, basically send the program as you're working on it to the iPad, and you can do your pen work and then put it back on your Mac. Uh, so take advantage of to basically turn your um, iPad into like one of those tablets, those Wacom tablets. 
Yeah, they used to. Uh, I think there was one that was very famous when I was in design school. I think it's called Bamboo, and you know, but you had to buy it and install it. So this makes it so much easier. Yeah, yeah, and then there's uh, one more feature that was kind of buried in there, but I I really like it. I think it's actually relevant for accessibility. Uh, it's the it's the new feature for restoring from a snapshot. So when the Mac OS does an operating system update, uh, sometimes it does the update, and then you find out that that update either breaks or causes an issue with one of your other programs. So that maybe you were used to using. Let's say you, you really love this one program and the software update comes out and it breaks that program from working. And before, there wasn't an easy way to go back to the previous version of macOS. Uh, now you can. There's something called this. It takes what's called a snapshot. Basically, it takes a picture of the computer's current state before it does the update. And if you do the update and find out there's some issue, some conflict, some ex new bug that you uh, that you don't like, uh, you can go. You can undo the update and go back to what the computer was before you did it. And from an accessibility standpoint, sometimes that happens. Sometimes an update comes out, and a feature or uh, or a bug is introduced, or uh, a program you're using stops working the way you expected it to, and maybe you depend on it. And it's nice to be able to go back until it gets fixed. Yeah, and Apple is usually very responsive about fixing the bugs but yeah sometimes you know if it takes a month uh, and you need it for work or whatever it's it's very important to be able to have that ability one thing i haven't i need to look up because i read this i was like is this coming to ios because i've had a couple people be nervous about doing a software update because it causes some issue that you know un, some some unforeseen issue and then they wish they could go back and it's not easy to go back and so then they get afraid to do an update and i feel like this on the mac let you do the update and find out afterwards and and if you have regrets go back again uh and i i know that can give make us give us some more confidence with the updates because it is important to stay up to date uh, both for security and for uh, compatibility but yeah i remember i think it was between what was it gethsemane and no maybe el capitan and sierra can't remember but one of those uh i remember that you know i use a lot of multi-language um processing so i remember there was a bug and i kind of got stuck with it for a bit a bit like maybe two months and i couldn't read in you know arabic or chinese or, or i don't know portuguese and, and i remember i was quite annoyed <laughs> i mean it didn't affect a lot of people only if you you know if you read things in other languages but, but it was a bug and, and that would have been cool to be able to revert back this does bring up one more thing and then we're going to talk about the accessibility but there's one more thing uh, i wanted to note is that this version catalina will be the first version that requires programs to be written to support 64-bit and without getting into exactly what that is when if you try to install this update catalina it's going to warn you it's going to look through all your programs and see if any of them don't support uh are, are in 32-bit instead of 64-bit and you may want to make sure you go through that list before upgrading because you might find some older program that you really love and enjoy uh, is not has not been updated and um, it will not work with Catalina. So it will give you a full warning before you do so. Uh, but uh, And it will tell you exactly which programs that has an issue with. But you need to be aware of that. And Apple's let pro these developers know for a couple of years that this is coming. So all they've had to do, and, and the update hasn't been 
the update process has not been that severe so but it has been on the developers to support this 64-bit will make programs run faster and more efficient uh, but some programs have not updated so when you do the update if you try to do the update you may get a warning just be aware you may read that and be and and have to go to the developer and see if there's an update before you update uh, i had a couple of old games nothing that was important enough but a couple of old games have been updated in a couple of years and it was telling me that those would not work in catalina yeah i lost some apps on the ios that now like it just tells me hey that, you know it's not it can't work on ios 12 so so i just deleted them but at some i was sad to say goodbye so just a heads up but so let's jump into the accessibility. Let's jump into the stuff that's really our bread and butter. And uh, macOS has got some new stuff. Um, the biggest, excuse me. Let me clear my, th- let me clear my throat here. Uh, so one of the biggest uh, things coming to uh, to macOS is voice control. Now, voice control allows you to uh, control your computer entirely by voice without having to touch the mouse or the keyboard. They designed it originally thinking for people who had motor difficulties. And such as Parkinson's. Such as Parkinson's. Or, or, uh, and cerebral palsy. Or if, you have, if you've had a major spinal injury or something in that category. So basically you can say, you know, click Safari in the dock and open mail and scroll up scroll down click on this click on that and just begin typing by just dictating everything and all of this processing is happening through a, a voice recognition engine on the computer it actually is entirely happening on the computer so it's not like it's not like siri yeah yeah like because when you when you do a siri command uh basically the apple takes an audio recording it sends it to their server it processes it to determine what the what was spoken and it sends it back sends an answer back down to your device so you and that's why you need internet that's right but voice control all happens on device which means you don't need an internet connection and also means that everything you're saying is 100 percent private it never leaves your device so all on device voice processing they've gone to great lengths to increase the accuracy of their dictation model and you can control the computer entirely through commands and by talking. And it works actually really well. I've been testing it out. Uh, now, there's been a feature somewhat similar in the macOS for a long time. At some point, it was called Speakable Items. Uh, most recently, was you can find some of these voice commands uh, in older versions of macOS under a section called Dictation in the System Preferences. But the commands were limited. You just do a couple of things. And... Uh, it's nothing compared to what they've put into the system with, with voice control. Voice control's accuracy is way better. You can do everything with voice. There's nothing you can't do without your voice. Uh, you can even do some complex gestures. Uh, and uh, it, it seems to work really, really well. I, uh, and I've been using the built-in microphone on my laptop, which, you know, it's designed for, uh, you know, for doing like a, a voice call. Uh, but it's been handling the dictation really well. And of course, you can get a microphone to increase accuracy as well. But it's it, I haven't felt the need to. It's been really great. Now, do we know anything about, um, you know, people that do have some voice or pronunciation issues? 
or we don't know anything yet. I don't know too much about that. I do know that you do have to have some pretty sm- solid uh, 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 articulate. You have to be able to articulate pretty accurately. So it's it's not designed for people who have a, a who have a a, a, a major uh, speech impairment. Okay. You have to be able to do all the voice commands in a in a clear way. So there is a group of people that uh, won't be able to use this uh, because their speech is impaired. Although they still do have things like um, switch control uh, support even for eye tracking devices. So it's not that you're locked out. Uh, it's just maybe this feature is not perfect for you. Well, and that that's the point, right? Because, I mean, that's what we like about Apple is that they design really well one thing to do one thing instead of trying to design something that does everything for everyone because that will never work out. So. No, no, but I, with this voice control being added, uh, so we've got voice control, control with your speech. We've got switch control, which you can control the entire computer with one single button, a head switch, a mouth switch, etc. cetera. Uh, a thing called uh, pointer control, which can be used to use a joystick to move around or with the right equipment, an eye tracking device. So you can simply look at the screen and it moves the mouse. You hold your gaze on something and it clicks on it, for example. Uh, A lot of modifications to keyboard and keyboard control and access. They're trying to go for anybody who wants to be able to use a Mac should be able to do so. And they have the tools to make that accessible to to almost everybody. I can't, I, I have a hard time finding a category of person that if they wanted to, couldn't use one of these features to... Uh, navigate and get around the Mac. Is it good? And they're constantly improving them to increase how efficient they are. Because the efficiency, is, as we've talked about before, is very important to accessibility as well. Yeah, I think the only thing I can usually think is like, you know, deaf and blind that does not want to learn Braille, then it gets really complicated because how do you access, you know? Uh, but other than that, I, I, I believe you're correct. It's anybody can use it. And to say the truth, I'm going to take full advantage of this voice control thing. I mean, when I'm out and about in the coffee shop or something, I probably won't because I don't want people is dropping on what I'm doing or typing. But, I mean, I think it's fantastic. I like the idea that I can set my Mac up in the kitchen you know, with the recipe or something on it. And if I want to scroll up or scroll down, I can use voice control to do so without touching the keyboard and because I might have my hands might be wet or I might have food on them, etc. So I can see myself using it just in general as well. Yeah, well, I just I just wish that <clears throat> food recipe blogs will have less pop up stupid ads because oh, they geez, get on yeah. my way. And some, I swear, I just leave because I can't get to it. So I give them thirty seconds, which is a lot already. So voice control is pretty exciting. It's going to be, I think, a, a of an amazing tool. I, I I already know customers and people I've worked with who are going to be very excited to hear about it. So uh, now on top of that, uh, they also have made some improvements for low vision users. A um, couple of things, uh, for instance, Zoom, which is the on-screen magnifier. Uh, that particular feature now uh, can be optimized if you've got two displays. So Zoom is simply a program that basically you can hold on the control key and then scroll up and it zooms in on a portion of the screen, makes that portion larger. And then you can do the same gesture control and scroll back and then you're going to, you know, get back to regular view or zoom back out again. 
If you've got a second display now, you can set it up so that the two displays are mirrored. So they're showing the same content. And when you use zoom, it zooms in on only one display. And on the other display, it puts uh, a box around what's being magnified. So you can use one screen to be a wide overview and then the other screen to be a magnified view. And for people who use magnification but like to have a large overview, they see well enough to, they want to be able to see their overview, uh, it helps them from getting confused about where they are when they're zoomed way oh, in. Oh my God, this is like relational, um, you know, viewing. This is brilliant. Now, there is also a category of low vision person who can actually kind of make out the shapes and general appearance of the display, but the text is too small or hard to read. And so they have a new feature called hover text. So that allows someone to hold on the control key when their mouse is over text and then it blows just that text up to large print. And you can choose your font, background color, uh, font weight to make it bold. And so I have a couple of customers like, yeah, they can, they, you know, everything is, you know, kind of blurry for them, uh, but they can make out what's on the screen. They just need the text to be bigger from time to time. And they, you know, maybe know how to get around the user interface. So this is perfect for them. This is also a feature that wouldn't have existed without voiceover because what uh, this feature does is voiceover, you know, can pull the, the labels of, you know, different buttons and uh, uh, read it out loud. Essentially, what this is doing is just pulling that text and instead of reading it, displaying it in large print. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, hover text is, is a new feature. And of course you can use that in collaboration with the zoom. So those are two really cool enhancements for low vision. People who are not quite using voiceover, uh, you just need things larger. Uh, and on top of that, they, you can also now set up color filters and color tints to, uh, change the, the color appearance on the Mac. Some people just find that a contrast with different colors, like a yellow background with black text is easier to read than a white background with black text. Uh, but they don't want to invert the colors, which is, uh, you know, which would flip everything. They might just want to change the colors. And so a lot of cool features for uh, people with vision impairments. Uh, but on top of that, there's also improvements to voiceover. And those crazy um, improvements for mobility is like awesome. So voiceover is getting a, a a couple of a couple of like little little improvements. There's also I've just noticed the way that it seems to describe things. It seems to be better at describing when things are happening, making sure it knows that when you hit Command Q that you quit a program or that a window is closing or that focus is moving and where it's moving to. A little bit more descriptive. Uh, they've also added a new thing called simplified tab navigation to voiceover. It's a feature you can turn on and off. And what it does is it enhances the way that uh, if you're in certain programs, the pressing the tab key interacts with things. The uh, best example I can think of is um, if you're in Safari and uh, you start pressing the tab key, you know, that moves you through links on the page here. And eventually you'll get to the point where you leave through all the links and you're back at the toolbar, which has got like the back button and the navigation and uh, favorites bar and if you tab, it moves you through each of those buttons, but it interacts with them. So if you tab through a menu, instead of having, when you get into an element, instead of having to interact with it, you're automatically interacting with whatever you've tabbed into. It's kind of hard to explain, but its purpose is that you is to add a, a new 
uh, navigation method for getting around programs without having to be inter interacting with things and stop interacting with things. You just press the tab key to move around. I haven't really been able to test this uh, to its fullest. Well, I wonder if you don't want to interact, though, how is that going to affect? Because I'm not a big tabber. Well, see, this is something that you um, basically, if, if you go into a voiceovers, uh, the voiceover utility, there's a little checkbox um, uh, under the navigation one that says automatically interact when using tab key. So when you tab oh, okay. key, okay, so you'll be able to choose one way or the other. That's right. It's a feature okay. that can be turned on if you have such a preference. Cool. Uh, they've also enhanced Siri's voice uh, in order to uh, basically make sure Siri pronounces things better and clearly and more smoothly. Uh, this was a feature in iOS 13. Uh, it's also available on the uh, on the uh, Mac. And the bonus is you can set it Siri up as your uh, voiceover voice. So they have the male and the female voice have been improved. So the nice thing I like about this is that Alex has always been, you know, like, one of the better, best uh, voices for the Mac because uh, Apple's put a lot of work into it. And they're also been putting a lot of work into Siri recently. And, uh, and Siri has multiple voices, you know, with different accents. And so it's really opening up the, the, uh, the number of high quality voices you can choose for voiceover. I use the Irish male. Oh, very nice. I was going to. And gonna... he sounds very perky, but sometimes he doesn't understand me because I don't speak Irish. I noticed that with the uh, the British voice I used for a while and realized, you know, words like aluminum is aluminium to him. Yeah. So, yeah, so new, so enhancements to Siri's voice, which inherently is an enhancement for voiceover speech options as well. And then one other thing that they added with voiceover is just good to note is they put a bunch of work into making sure voiceover uh, is working even better in Xcode, their development environment uh, so that uh, blind and low vision coders uh, can uh, have a better experience making their own Mac and iOS apps. Yay! VoiceOver, uh, Xcode's always been a bit of a sticking point because VoiceOver is a very complicated program and I mean, uh, I mean Xcode is a very complicated program and VoiceOver has been struggling to you know navigate well and efficiently in that program and so and Apple's had a big initiative, the Everyone Can Code initiative, where they've been trying to teach, uh, as specifically, you know, a big angle on, on blind and low vision users to be able to code. And so Xcode not being, having accessibility issues has always been a little bit of a sore point. And so they're putting in the effort to make sure that Xcode is, is more accessible so that we can have more blind developers out there. And of course, that's how we're going to get the next generation of great low vision and blindness apps are from the users who love, Yay. You know, who love to use it and love to code it. Actually, I'm in my fourth class of Python. Yay. Oh, very nice. The ability to be able to create macros, your own code uh, to customize, you know, things you're doing on the computer can be hugely empowering. Amen. Well, that covers the things in Catalina I wanted to talk about. That is pretty exciting. I can't wait for Catalina. And so I've been enjoying, I think the Catalina beta has been very stable. 
from what I've been playing with, there's you know a lot of little things. I think they're, they they need they're still working out a lot of bugs in the in the the music, uh, TV. I mean Apple TV and uh, and podcasting app. But uh, the rest of the operating system has been running real smooth. They're very happy with it. Uh, and then that will come sometime this fall. So we don't have an exact uh, uh, release date yet. Uh, it usually comes around the same time as whenever the new iPhone comes out. So we will we'll stay tuned. Uh, and uh, like I said, I'm very, very excited when it does come out. Um, if you are wondering, one thing I, I should have mentioned at the very beginning is, you know, what computers will run Catalina? Uh, and just to do a quick rundown, if you have a Mac Mini from 2012 or later, that'll work. A MacBook Pro from 2012 or later. Uh, a MacBook Air, also from 2012 or later. So a lot of an iMac 2012 or later as well. So if you've got a, um, you know, a seven-year-old or newer uh, MacBook Pro, MacBook Air, or iMac, uh, then you'll be just fine. If you've got a regular MacBook, uh, you're going to be 2015 or later. But 2015, I think, is when that version of the MacBook was introduced. So, and then, uh, and then also, of course, if you uh, uh, have a iMac Pro or a Mac Pro, uh, Mac Pro 2013 or later, and any of the iMac Pros, of course, all models will work there. I think mine is last year's, so hopefully, I won't have any trouble. If you're not sure, you can check on your Mac by going to the menu bar uh, and go, choosing the Apple menu. And then the first option in the menu bar under Apple is about this Mac. Well, I think we've spent quite a bit of time talking about Catalina here. Um, we do have some more to talk about with the Apple Watch and the HomePod and the Apple TV. But actually, why don't we save that for next time? Yeah, let's do that, and then we can talk about the awesome stuff you've been finding around on your beta iOS. Yes, I've got some updates for the iOS, so why don't we save that all for next time? Uh, I want to thank everybody for uh, for joining us here on the Access Ninja podcast. If you've got feedback for us, send it to us at feedback at access.ninja. That's feedback at access. Ninja. And if you want to see show notes and more, visit us at access.ninja. And uh, be good to each other, all right? See you soon. <laughs>